Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC. Hello there. We are back. This is episode 115. 115 if you prefer of fi goes pc as always i'm your host rebel zen aka danny how and yes uh well you know we leave uh for a bit uh as you know uh since last time we were here and the world goes crazy uh in many ways we're going to explain all of that uh i've got a theory i've got a theory that a lot of people are uh going to be listening to cypress hill at the moment especially a song insane in the ukraine uh, it's a very good song uh, that's what's happening uh, in our geopolitical structures there's a tension at the border are they going to invade are they not going to invade i i have a solution and that is that all borders should have theme parks uh where the whole border is a theme park a wall is not going to suffice especially when it's a fence um but basically you have a theme park and then you have like competitions in the theme park you know how you have like shoot a duck like a real duck or a not so real duck or a depends your position on duck shooting it could be a nintendo game back in the day duck hunt uh but basically you have to do all of this stuff you collect tokens and if you get enough tokens you get to go into the country but if you don't you're uh sent back out after having a fun day with your family you see that's how we do it so it stops all of the uh the war and the uh, and everything else i actually think vladimir putin's just taking a bunch of tanks for a walk you know you have to keep them exercise these tanks because otherwise they're just sort of wasting away in a garage. I don't know what's going on. None of us do. But we are back. And our producer, who's been on the Ukraine border for these last two weeks, uh, is here with us now, live from here with me. How how was things at the border? I wasn't. Why do you keep telling these strange tales of my comings and goings? Because you're a secret agent. Well... It's not secret anymore, is it? Well, it is. Because <laughs> they don't know what you're an agent of. Oh. Shield. <laughs> anyway, this is our producer, Winifred Solo. Hello. I didn't introduce you. I thought I'd, I'd take you to the border and back. Okay. It's a crazy situation, isn't it? It is. We should talk about it for exactly five seconds. Mm-hmm. Cypress Hill. Good song. Okay. Do you, do you know the song? It's a very popular song. Maybe. Back in the 90s. I mean, I'd probably know it if I heard it, but I'm not that good with, you know, song titles and whatnot. Okay, so um, <laughs> it's been windy here. We've had three named storms within a week. Gerald, Bobby, and Francis. Um, mm. Might as well be. No. I think it's the same storm, but it's so big that it kind of took a week, you know. Uh, one uh, A storm in three acts. Exactly. Mm. Three-part storms. Um <laughs> Didn't affect us much here because we're in a forest. So we didn't lose a lot of trees. In fact, we lost none. Uh, We're fortunate. There's been crazy scenes in London, even crazy scenes in Ireland and Wales and Scotland and Mm -hmm. and places that usually get hit by this stuff. I feel very sorry. They should have a tax rebate if you live in these places. They should give you um, storm funds. Storm funds? Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of places have been evacuated. Yeah, I mean, it's very dangerous on the coast. Yeah, or inland in a lot of these places, like the highlands, the lowlands, the middlelands. Yeah, when a big tree, you know, falls on your house, that's not very nice. <laughs> well, it, it, it's uh, forced improvements. <laughs> but when you build a tree house, yeah, <laughs> you, you see, that's how you, you stop that from <laughs> happening, you see. Um, oh anyway, uh, our thoughts are with you if you are in the areas of Ireland, Scotland and Wales. And Northern Ireland particularly, I think, has been hit hardest by the latest storm. Um, we've just been kiting. I, I went to Australia for free. Did you? Yeah, it just threw me out there. <laughs> yeah, interesting. There's a lot of circulation here, and I didn't want to put too much weight behind it, but a lot of planes landing at Heathrow in the storms has gone viral on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched any because I can imagine what that looks like. I don't need to see it. Yeah, it, I think the comic value comes from the guy narrating it. Right. Yeah. 
like so a like a yeah, sports yeah. event or something. Well, maybe that'll become a popular pastime. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I think for the first time ever, it was a, it officially a tornado watch was announced. Mm. Um, but you don't get tornadoes here, we do you? We have more tornadoes here than most places in the world. Oh, if you're but going... They're, but they're tiny. By the definition of a swirling No, by wind. a tornado. By the definition of a tornado, we have a lot. Yeah. But they're not like the ones in Texas or Oklahoma. Exactly. Or the big stuff. Yeah. It's twisters. Just, you just see the you know the, the leaves kind of go into a circular <coughs> it's dance It's basically motion. what happens in your Dyson, <laughs> mm-hmm. but on the streets okay. is what, what it is. <laughs> so certain spots are very clean after it, uh-huh. and then certain spots are dirty because it just deposits it, <laughs> you see? So they've got to invent a Dyson. Nature's vacuum? Well, I've got to turn a Dyson into something that eats all the dust and turns it into like, I don't know, Coca-Cola or something. I'm pretty sure that's Ew. what Coke's made out of. <laughs> If you did an ingredient list, it's mostly made out of dust and lint. No. Pretty sure. It's about the same in your health. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay. Coke Zero is interesting because it's false advertising, isn't it? Why? Because it's Coca-Cola, but it's zero. So it's not actually Coca-Cola. It's just muddy water. Right. So it's saying it's got zero Coke It's in got it. zero affiliation. What? It's not Coca-Cola. It's zero Coca-Cola. Uh, so what is in it then mostly compounded lint and dust <laughs> it's uh it's how we're recycling dyson trash mm-hmm. if you don't know what a dyson vacuum cleaner is where have you been <laughs> probably mars on a mission but yeah that's happened the winter olympics happened mm-hmm. we are as engaged to that as we usually are which means we watch the opening thing ceremony which goes on far too long it does. It's and, like three hours well, or something. Well, here's the thing. Because in most countries, when we saw the Beijing Summer Olympics in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. there was no commentating during the opening. It just switches off and you get to enjoy the opening. There's a lot yeah. of music. It's all, you're in, in the opening, like you're in the arena with everyone. Yeah. Whereas here, we love to talk over everything. It's also really irritating that everyone uses an opportunity to throw in their political ideology when it should be totally separated. You don't get that at the UFC, for example. It's not like you're bigging a UFC by telling people the politics of each country yeah. competition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, competitors in. It's, it's, these things have to switch and change, I feel. Mm-hmm. You have to have a separation because the Olympics should be celebrated by everyone as a kind of global... Come together. Happiness. Mm-hmm. Like Disneyland. It's a big sport party, essentially. Yeah, it's, it should be fun, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I thought the Beijing opening was... It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Directed by Zhang Yimo again. I think everyone will agree that the best moment was the home video section where it's just a bunch of kids falling over. Oh, that was so cute. It was good. It, it ran a good narrative because mm-hmm. they fell over and they got back up again. Yeah. It's a Chumbawamba song <laughs> is what that is. It's the spirit of improvement. Well, it's also proof that the Olympic team of China is getting very young. Oh, my God. You know Training I mean? them young. Yeah, They're like six years old. Or younger. Yeah. Some of them were just babies. It's crazy. No pressure. Mm. You know, get up and ski, <laughs> dude. But it was pretty awesome. It was really fascinating to see a little kid on a snowboard. Yeah. Because I kind of keep thinking if, if by European standards, there's a health and safety thing that comes along with that. You know, I can't imagine you want to take your toddler out on a snowboard here, mm. for example. But that's, this is the thing that I'm trying to say. Like, there's culture and there's human rights. Mm. And a lot of the times we kind of merge them by our own standards. But then in Asia, especially, especially where there's huge population and loads of different circumstances for living, especially if you take India and places into consideration, all the shanty towns and stuff. Sure. Expectancy and culture of life is a very different thing. Mm. Therefore, like I'm saying, you should always be open-minded with human rights rather than enforcing. Mm. Because our human rights wouldn't say work in an African tribal village. Mm. They just wouldn't, Yeah, you know. It's you creating a sort of cultural genocide. Cultural lens, yeah. So I think the Olympics is a good, it's kind of like the World Expo, Mm. which I have been to. That's the exhibition of the world where every country goes, has a stand in a temporary built building. Sometimes Mm. they are semi-permanent and uh, they basically gloat about how cool their country is. And I was a kid at the Seville, I think it was 92 Expo, and a lot of the buildings there are now in a sort of like living gallery 
they they kept a lot of them okay um but i remember in that time it was the best thing that i could take from it was that you actually see a kind of nuance of all of these cultures nothing's the same mm. everyone's got a different thing to say mm-hmm. i remember particularly like new zealand had brought this kind of incredible rock surface with water running down it almost a waterfall that they'd built like an art installation on the side of the pavilion yeah kind of it, it felt more buildingy because it was actually like turned into a wall it was right. very smooth but the fact that they'd done this and the rock was so unique yeah, it was yeah. new zealand rock mm. which is a different sound of music to say american rock or <laughs> <laughs> uk rock <laughs> we we do a lot of stone work in our rock mm-hmm. um yeah, it's a bit hengy. Mm-hmm. But basically, um, it, it it just fascinated me because I thought they brought this thing over and just built it sort of slab by slab, I suppose. But it really felt like you're in a different country. A lot of these places were fascinating. The New Zealand one particularly felt like Jurassic Park mm. they where li- they put it together. They literally took a piece of their country to share with you guys. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Britain's was really disappointing. Well, what did you what, what did you guys well, do then? I remember from memory the British one was like all built around the flag. Mm. So we had this huge Union Jack uh, with water. Okay. No one who's from Britain knows there is no singularity in Britain. Yeah. Uh, we're all tribal. So Scotland hates the English. Uh, the English are hated by everyone, and the English hate the English. So that's how it works. <laughs> So the Welsh kind of don't like us, the Scottish don't like us, the Northern Irish don't like us, and we don't like ourselves. That's how that works, you see. So like from town to town here, we have problems. Mm-hmm. But none of us have a problem with Scotland or Wales or Ireland. We have a problem with ourselves. Mm. It's uh, We're the hatred of everyone. Self-hatred <laughs> is a cultural uh, element of this. It's, of it's, it's part of our survival <laughs> mechanism. Like if you have a different town two and a half miles away, it's basically a different country. <laughs> Don't allow them in, you know. Mm. But yeah, no, it was very formal and bureaucratic. It was kind of like going to the most mundane Marks and Spencers uh. you've ever been to. It felt sort of detached from happiness and fun. There was no Beatles Expo. There was no, <laughs> you know, there was no brilliant sort of Scottish, you know, uh, bagpiping troop or th- there was no fun we we have a lot to be grateful and fun with here but it was m- basically what british airways is oh. next to like virgin atlantic sure yeah virgin atlantic's kind of rat-a-tat-tat jazz <laughs> yeah. bit of a you know bit of cartoons Snazzy. yeah a bit bit funky mm-hmm. whereas british airways literally feels you're at the dentist it, it's <laughs> that kind of thing you get on board and you're bored uh. they gotta change that they gotta make it a bit more snazzy i feel the the expo going back to that the the wonderful thing was like the Samoan one they had a Samoan expo I've never forgotten where they had like tribal dances yeah around fires yeah there was like fire juggling people wearing grass skirts and they were doing like burgers and stuff like barbecue stuff like short ribs or whatever I don't mm. know didn't eat any of it but <laughs> I was watching it and it's fascinating to see how dull we are in the world we've got all of this stuff we could be selling. And we did none of it, mm. you know. And you can see that with our Olympic squad. Because mm-hmm. they came out all dressed like they worked for British Airways, <laughs> you know. It was interesting to see all the different uniforms and stuff, well, the designs. I, I've never... I I have massive issues with the um, walk-on. Every country coming into the arena. Right. With their flags. I don't like it. It annoys mm, me. It's tradition. You know, it's a... It's their moment to be introduced well, essentially I, I to the world. I think they should just be represented by a more interesting thing. Mm. Like it should be like a carnival parade, like a Mardi Gras. And they should be driven on floats mm. and doing all cool stuff like fire juggling and, you know, kill half the athletes before the competition starts. <laughs> no. You could actually have the country represented by the non-athletes. Because they could pull a hamstring just walking around the stadium. It was massive. But it's a moment for them. So if you take them out of They're going to have many more moments in the weeks following. Do you not think? (laughs) Mm. I just think that the beginning parade should be uh, more entertaining. Mm. I think. Okay, well, you you can can pitch it for next time. (laughs) The Italian, I was going to say, Italian. The Italy squad, for example, they drive in in Ferraris. Everyone would love that. Right. You know. Yeah. Because the thing is, what if you did attend that entrance and you are carrying your flag mm. and you do get an injury before the competition starts just by pulling your 
hamstring, like in a freak accident, just that parade in has ruined your entire experience. You see? Well, it's too big. The stadium was huge. It felt like it was a mile from one end to the don't other. Don't you think you're increasing the chance of injury by doing a performance thing? No, because it won't be them. <sighs> each each country would send a delegation of street performances mm. or whatever, whatever, like the show off, like magicians. Wouldn't it be way more entertaining? It would. And it'd be it like would... it'd be like a Super Bowl halftime show with every nation doing their best that they could. Like but, Ricky Martin would come in and. But the question is, what is that for? Is it just to introduce the nation? Which, in that case, yeah, that idea is great. But I think it's there to introduce the athletes. No, I don't need to do that. We see them for the weeks following. But Every athlete you're going to see. You can't really see them when they're masked up and wearing a massive coat. And you can't, there's, you know, it was like, watch out for that athlete. I'm not going to tell the difference between her and everyone else that's there. That looks exactly the same, you know. Masks don't help. No, 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 exactly. So, what I was going to say is like, if you actually had, this is great for the Olympic Committee. I should be the commissioner of the Olympics. It'd be amazing. I'd change the sports (laughs) for a start. I think there's way better winter Olympic sports you can do, like free base jumping from a plane skiing. Like you jump out of a plane with a parachute on your back and you have to land. Like you're seeing lots of Bond films. And okay. and all the slalom stuff, like what? the slalom on the skis. Okay. Where you're doing that stuff. The when lefty you, righty thing. Yeah, when you turn around, there's okay. like pyrotechnic bombs going off. And you should do like figure skating around a minefield so the the whole thing is about how you navigate you know so you have to know where the mines are and the curling team puts the mines out Uh. that's what they do (laughs) see i'm making a whole it's like an interactive experience and also you should have uh advanced dungeons and dragons on ice Mm. where they're playing a game of it whilst you know on a bobsleigh or something i don't know but this is making it like um what do you Way call better. it? Isn't it the, what was that show where, you know, people have to go across like um Well, American Ninja. No. Takeshi's Castle. Yeah, Takeshi's Castle. It's, it's basically that thing. with sports. Exactly. It's so much better. And you could do like uh a hundred meter distance running on ice that's gradually melting over a shark tank. Okay, so Takeshi's Olympic castle but way better higher stakes because the olympics started off pretty much being uh equivalent to a roman coliseum i'm fairly sure there was a lot more at stake your life could end i mm. think i think we need those stakes people got too weak you know mm. there's been athletes doing this for 15 years that can't be right <laughs> that's, that's that's too profound i'm joking i just it's all interesting stuff. And uh, I, I still don't fully understand curling, but apparently Britain, our female team, won the gold in it. Well done to them. Um, to me, it just looks like you're cleaning up the ice ready for an ice competition. <laughs> it feels like it's very anal ice sweeping is mm. what I'd say. But I'm sure it's more than that. It's some kind of hybrid between lawn bowling, you yeah. know, like back in a classic British, you know, summer sports, can't play in winter, it'd be a different thing. We have like polo, horse polo, right? And you have like garden bowling, which isn't like tempin bowling, which is far cooler. It, but curling to me is like a hybrid mm. of garden bowls. I don't really understand it, but I'll take a word for it. It seems like it'd be a very good pub game. Okay. Yeah. Surprisingly, Hong Kong had three athletes in this year, and you know, Hong Kong doesn't get snow. So. Yeah, subtropical <laughs> countries were well represented. Mm-hmm, I noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghana. Which mm-hmm. was surprising. Nigeria, not many African nations. Morocco, well, Saudi there's Arabia. There's going to be less countries for the Winter Olympics just because of the climate. One thing that was a common thread in a lot of these countries that you wouldn't expect to be in a Winter Olympics sport, for example, because lack of snow or winter. In most cases, these places don't really have winter. They have two weeks of rain. Mm-hmm. I think the the common thread that ties them that we got from bbc coventry which we didn't really want was that most of them have been raised in like the alps Mm -hmm. like switzerland france italy whatever well there has to be some kind of uh linkage to snow to snow (laughs) yeah but that's where i think you're missing a beat with this because it should be kind of like the summer olympics everyone that's subtropical and has outdoor activities all the time has an advantage Mm. like britain we have like an eco bubble called a sports center or a leisure center where we 
we uh, can train and stuff like this all year round, indoor tracks, which we never used to have, but we have now. Mm. Otherwise, we'd be in the rain a lot, you know? Yeah. But there's nations out there that have a clear advantage because they have a lot lot of areas. Like Jamaica, very good for running, as you know from mm-hmm. Usain Bolt and many more before him. So the Summer Olympics kind of divides the world and then shouldn't the Winter Olympics really be the hope of all the countries that don't have you know, that kind of climate, mm. like Antarctica. <laughs> um, um, did anyone represent Antarctica? They should have. I don't think it belongs to anyone. I think Antarctica is a place that's too cold, uh, you know? Yeah. 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 The Inuit people weren't Polar represented. Polar bear fighting. I thought I'd see a lot more Inuit people, especially in the Canada delegation, mm. you'd think. You know, like when you do uh, ice fishing as as the event, and uh, that's not an event. And moose hunting with a spear gun, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. See, the Olympics should be stuff like that. It'd be way better. The animal rights people wouldn't like it. Well, it wouldn't be real animals. It'd be just a guy dressed up as an animal. No one's got a problem with that. That's if bad. you had if you had two guys dressed up as a moose and shot it, literally no one would lose sleep. I mean, over you could it. just do like holographic stuff. Then it would be like the the Hunger Games. Well, you wouldn't need the cold then. Because there's the you s- could just be in a green screen <laughs> studio. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, no, no. There has to be an element. But you could have like two guys dressed as a moose, and you shoot that, no one no. cares. <laughs> literally, no one would care. You could have no. robot mooses. You know. That's the future. All animals are going to be robots one day. I've seen it. It's in uh, Horizon New Dawn. Mm. If you're a video game fan, you'll know that uh, Horizon New Dawn, uh, its sequel has just come out, and that's all about robots in the scale and size of dinosaurs. Well, I played the first one on PS4 Pro uh, a while back. Mm. I wasn't a massive fan. I think, to me, things like that, there's been so much of it. I think if you see Avatar, Fern Gully, and all of these kind of environmentalist stuffs, uh, Dr. Stone is probably the best interpretation. Mm-hmm. These things are always trying to be clever, but they're always very obvious to me. And right. I wasn't a massive fan of the narrative of it. I, I appreciate it. The mechanics in the game are great, but the sequel, it looks fantastic, but I, I'm kind of dubious with like, Games that are developed on the last generation and then released on a new generation because the updates aren't always massively impressive. Right. Even though Uncharted 4 is incredible on a PS5. Very different. It's like watching a film. Okay. You do see evolutions. And Cyberpunk came out on PS5. I played a bit of that. And I was one of these guys that had it on the PS4 and it kind of kept screwing up. Mm. It glitched out with the controversy of all of it. I remember Cyberpunk having the situation where they actually refunded everybody, right? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't a refund that you were asked if you wanted a refund. Right. Like people who had a PS4 but didn't have the Pro were finding it was unplayable. Mm. Like it just didn't work and they were waiting for a patch to fix and stuff like this, but it would literally mount your PlayStation. Mm. But a Pro has slightly better technology in so it. So now they've fixed it, essentially. Well, I never really had fatal issues with it when I was playing it, but it wasn't perfect. It would feel a bit sort of laggy at times and stuff. On a PS5, though, it is perfect, yeah. Mm. And you really see the power of that game. A lot of people dismissed it because it was crashing and they couldn't get into it. It is actually fantastic. But what you're experiencing is a very expensive version of what it was like to have one of the first-generation consoles when everyone had floppy disks Mm. on a atari or whatever commodore 64 or the spectrum we always lived that so one could handle it and the other couldn't yeah technology race yeah whereas now you kind of expect to just plug and play and it's a fantastic game cyberpunk it's basically a glimpse into uh what detroit's gonna look like in five years is it yeah i've seen robocop okay and it's exactly that kind of world because Robocop's a documentary. No, it Detroit isn't. being taken over by a corporation. And then they arm the police into uh, cybernetics and uh, one goes mental and the other one has to fight it. Oh, no. Yeah, the good guy is the guy with more human parts. Oh, okay. The bad guy is the guy on the TV screen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Robocop's a flawed narrative because 
in the original one, the only thing that was left of him was his head and his brain. So the rest of him was built around it. Oh, okay. And he's trying, like, he's been cancelled of all of his humanity, essentially, because he's a robot. But then he suddenly gets it back as flashback memories. Mm. And he tries to go home as this robot, which is hard to sell on your wife, isn't it? Mm. Hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> you don't look the same, do you? Uh-oh. No, I've had a few improvements. Got to be honest, went to South Korea, had a bit of surgery. Uh, you know, because they're famous <laughs> for it. Uh, they went a bit mad. Uh <laughs> I said, hey, I want to look like Sasuke in uh, Full Metal Panic. They got confused and thought they meant the mech. Uh, so I was turned into a robot. Uh, long story short, I'm here now. Uh, it would be a far better thing if you had Conan O'Brien, the uh, talk show host. Yes. And they did him as a robot and he went back uh, like with a false... That's, that's the narrative you want. You know how there's a lot of these movies that do the whole Freaky Friday... You wake up in a different body. Body swap, yeah. Yeah, you want to do one with RoboCop and a comedian. So it's, <laughs> it's RoboComedian. Because it's, it's literally what? comedy. It's like the comedy tragedy thing. He goes to South Korea, gets surgery, they get confused. Turn him into a robot. He has to come back to the USA mm-hmm. and live a normal life, even though he's now a robot with a head. Just, okay. just his head is human. And Conan would be brilliant because he'd be immortal. He'd have his hair still, which is his trademark. But mm-hmm. the rest of him would be a robot. See, perfect role for him. Robo comedic. Okay. Com- comic. Robo comic? Robo comedian? What would you say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> comic bot. Uh, it's got to have robo in it. Oh. I feel. I was trying to be alternative. I'm trying to think if I could work Conan into it. Ro- ro- robo Coco? That'd work. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I think that's a better pitch. And speaking of Conan, because like we like, yeah, we talk about certain things here, like weather and Winter Olympics, but I like to get back to film. So we were watching stuff on Netflix just to cross into the Conan O'Brien thing. It's called Murderville. It's Will Arnett based on uh, Murder and Successville, I think, is the UK version the origins of it mm. uh i don't know if anyone's familiar listening but there's a series here called judge ramesh who ramesh is a huge stand-up comedian from the uk does mm-hmm. a lot of work on panel shows has a podcast on bbc actually mm-hmm. very funny guy one of the best comedians of this generation i'd say and he teams up with a creator of this show um for judge ramesh who in judge ramesh it's the bailiff who created Murder and Successful, which no right. one in America is going to know about and the Netflix audience is not going to know about. But it was kind of like a grunge indie, I wouldn't say throwaway, but it's a comedy show that didn't really hit. It wasn't a, a highly rated, high traction comedy show, but the whole form is basically half scripted. Mm. And then you bring in a celebrity guest completely unprepared and their role is improvised in this crazy world. Almost the equivalent of if you were go back in time uh, to the sort of late 80s, early 90s in the UK. We used to have a show called Nightmare, mm-hmm. which is basically a similar concept where the world is fabricated, mostly green screened. And they put the contestant, it's like a game show, where they put this helmet on a contestant so he can't see his environment. And then he's guided by a group of friends around a fantasy world, which is all projected. Oh. Half set and half CG. Hmm. That's Very, almost like step one of VR back then. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Only not because it's not the kid who's experienced and it can't see anything. It blinds him. So yeah, it's only right. for the viewership okay, that right. this world exists for him. You. If he took the helmet off, it would be really disappointing. <laughs> like here's a big green room and you're walking around in a circle. Mm. But to us at home, it looks like a dungeon or a castle or whatever. Yeah. And there's a lot of acting and then there's a lot of CG monsters and stuff. You can see all of this on YouTube. Someone awesomely made a channel of mm. a lot of the old Nightmare episodes. Well, the reason that it's similar to that is because you got this bipartisan of a prepared story narrative mm-hmm. and then like a, reality, a, a reality element in it yeah. of improvisation where they have to play the game. In this, it's not necessarily a quiz show. It's trying to be a detective show. Mm-hmm. But it's using the idea of improv on the unexpected guest in that situation. Yeah. So in the UK one, I haven't seen it, but I can imagine it. So I'm going to go into this with a bit of um, ignorance, to be honest. But the Will Arnett-led 
Netflix one we watched in like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Very quick going through. I think after the whole series, the Conan episode, which was the first episode, yeah. is the best episode. Because it shows you how Conan improvises, you know? Sure. And um, one thing you can see clearly when you see the whole thing and you work in the industry is that it is improvised to a point. But if the guest isn't confident or doesn't have the kind of base, I think that will help through it. Like yeah, I take like the Sharon a Stone. little direction. There's a Sharon Stone episode. She came involved in it. And I think she had notes throughout the episode. Like They gave her props. Of a notebook, yeah. I'm pretty sure it fed her lines and things to ask and stuff, and she was basically acting off that. But for some, it was pure improv. Mm-hmm. Like um, Ken Jong, I think just couldn't do it without cracking up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's an interesting format, and the reason I bring this up is because it was kind of like interesting to see how they scripted an idea in improv compared to what we did in FIA, where it was all improv. Yes. I think it's well, Murderville. I mean, because they have a set location and a lot of things have to be there. It's it's a little bit linear. Like when I watched it, that's how I felt. Like it was interesting enough, but it was definitely a linear story. Well, it's kind of like um, it has to be controlled to a point mm-hmm. of safety to get a program out. I exactly. Feel. Yeah. Otherwise, it, there's no ending. Well, it's also you can't do retakes in this. The format doesn't work for a take after take. It is kind of like doing a quiz show. Mm. with interactivity another likable thing would be like the crystal maze where there's a time limit to play it Mm. so the episode is breaches a time limit so in the improv they have to create a formula and they have to weave in and out that form and there's certain things that correlate to a drama that are scripted and then the improv stuff is almost the game show element to it which it does feel like it has a game show element to it you Mm. know like because at the end it's always like well, guess who did it, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and the guest has to, but they don't win anything. <laughs> so there's no massive motivation for them to do it unless they're paid. Hopefully they were. Mm. But yeah, like, I feel like when you have stuff like that, it's a hit and miss because the audience watching it, especially on IMDb ratings and stuff, there was a lot of reviews that were very much like, I don't get this. How is this funny? This is really stupid. Mm. But when you and I were watching it, we are finding it hilarious. Because we're looking for all of the things that are breaking the characters. Yeah. Because Will Arnett couldn't help himself. Like the Conan one especially, there's bits where they're bitter because they know each other and they're both comedians. So they're trying to out-alpha each other. Yeah. Like a bit of a mini competition. And I think the biggest proof of that was the hot sauce scene. I'm not going to ruin it for anyone. <laughs> but if if you are watching it, just, you know, you can We're watch... We're looking for the unscripted bits, yeah. Yeah, if, if you want to yeah, if you want to watch it, it's kind of like the same reason you'd watch Saturday Night Live. Mm. You're looking for the bit where the characters break, like they're trying to make each other laugh or it's so ludicrous that it, it crushes the other person. It's what they call in the industry corpsing. But basically, it's when you laugh through yeah. your lines and you can't get straight anymore mm-hmm. ricky gervais is really infamous for always doing it like he can't stop laughing whilst he's doing takes mm-hmm. i think if you're a film student or if you're even an actor or you know want to get into the industry it's a really good thing to watch both the uk and the us version i'm going to watch the uk eventually uh, the uk version was on bbc3 i think but basically from the netflix version it's a really interesting look on why improvisation works, especially for comedy. I feel like comedy requires it. Mm. You can't really do a scripted comedy all the time because it will look fake at some point. You have to have certain creative inputs. Yeah. It's one of the biggest genres in filmmaking or anything that you need that sense of improvisation. I think that's why when we watched uh, Parks and Recreation, my favorite character was Andy because there's just so much that was improv and unexpected. Well, yeah, because it's he as a character was just given a brief of being chaos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and <laughs> so, but yeah, like you get kind of a footnote in a, in a situation like that. You'll get a footnote of character. But in Murderville, it was kind of a case where you had none of that. You're representing yourself in a situation. Mm-hmm. And so the whole improvisation is how crazy you make it. Yeah. It's and a bit of a hot seat and exercise. And that's basically leading the improv. Yeah. Is just directing it, right? And so that's the American way of doing improv. Whereas in the UK, um, traditionally, and I think this will be seen by the UK version of it, it's more chaotic than that. Mm. Like you have no help. You can often be led in a complete <laughs> ditch where you're dangling over it. There is no formula. There's no academics to it. Mm. 
improv here is basically a skill you have or you don't have. You're thrown in the deep end and you make... And you survive. You make a story or it flops. Basically in America, improvisation is an academic program. It's a course with theory attached to it, right? Right. In the UK, it's a Bear Grylls experiment where you're thrown <laughs> out on the island, you gotta survive, right? It's yep. it's literally that. And I feel like I wanted to draw a comparison because a lot of people who watched our show online, when it was on Amazon especially, or YouTube, I can imagine the comments or the feeling is very similar. Like, what is it I'm actually watching here? Because mm-hmm. it's so chaotic and messed up and crazy. Um, you've got to sort of see it more like in Murderville, the attention is kind of like a written thing with clear improv breaks, which is why a lot of comments have been very like, why is Ken John not doing anything in this? He's just laughing all the time. Yeah, right. Like there's nothing from him. He's not doing anything. He's just (laughs) dying laughing, right? That's Ken John's interpretation of improv. Mm. So he's really just along for the ride and find it all completely mental, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas our version of it was there was no story there was no underlining anything we had no brief we had no clue what we were doing we were just in the situation and eventually we turned out into a story Mm -hmm. it's completely like chaotic in that regard for them it's an improvised uh performance within the structure whereas for us it was an improvised narrative yeah it's like (laughs) you've got a safety zone yeah and you work within it. Yeah. And if you've ever seen American improv, like there's huge and they're really funny shows, okay? Like there's some great improv shows out there. But there's always a technique. Like it's always like a direction from the audience, mm. something to help them out. And there's, there's always a structure. Yeah. And there's always like a character like this guy's specialist at this kind of improv. If you take Will Farrell, he's always a little loopy and crazy and he yes. takes it too far or whatever. <laughs> Uh, Jim Carrey again mm-hmm. goes super high volume, mm-hmm. you know, and so they create their comedy from characterization and style because of their improv background. But yeah. here in the UK, it's always subtle, so you're not really sure who's improvising and who isn't. Mm. It's very lines blurred. I would say a lot of our classic stuff is written and acted and structured, like Monty Python and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That would be worked out. Yeah, there's no improv in that. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see sort of like Eddie Izzard, who does a lot of his stand-up shows completely unwritten. Mm. They're all improv. So they've got a kind of loose guide in his head, but he just feels it out and goes for it. Yeah. And it's a very hit-and-miss comedy format because you can do certain things that are super funny straight away and extremely stupid, and it makes everyone laugh, or it takes time to form, you know? Mm. Improv is risky business. It really is. I just feel like it's a very interesting stark contrast in style mm-hmm. because um, I think that Murderville will be uh, almost to the T copy of uh, Murdering Successful, mm. the UK version. I think they'll both do similar things yeah. in the structured element to it. But I can imagine our improvisation and the British guest style will be a lot more stark, mm. you know. Our reactions be a nice will be more interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll let you know. But it's a, I just, I, I'm a massive fan of Will on it. I don't think he gets enough credit. He's, he's an extremely funny dude and um, a Liverpool supporter, so I'm biased. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's great to see him and stuff. Mm. He's uh, the ultimate Batman voice. There was a great, there was a great sketch Jimmy Kimmel did, and I'm not a massive Jimmy Kimmel fan, I'll be honest. I find him a bit bland if anything, but there's this great sketch he did where you had, uh, it was uh, advertising a Batman versus Superman film back in the day. So Henry Cavill's in it, Ben Affleck's in it. Right. They reenact the scene and Jimmy Kimmel's like the guy that knows Ben Affleck's actually Batman. So they're all in character. So it's Bruce Wayne and Clark mm. Kent. Okay. And Jimmy Kimmel's the annoying guy that comes up and goes, oh, you look just like Batman. <laughs> okay. And then you look just like <laughs> Superman. And then eventually Will Arnett comes in and he's doing the Batman voice of Lego Batman. It's really silly. <laughs> but it's really funny. It's one of the funniest things I've seen Jimmy Kimmel do. Okay. He has talent. He's a nice guy, but he just, I, I don't know. He just seems very insincere mm. to me. It's just a personality trait. I've never, like if you're in LA, he's the kind of representation of LA because right. he's on Hollywood. So he's literally right in the center of everything, been long serving yeah. as a talk show host, but he just seems, it, it, it doesn't have the personality to me. 
He's a bit too normal, I think. Yeah. Normal looking, normal like like everything's not pronounced. I I just feel like he's got no personality. That's mm. how I see it. Like he's too mediocre. It's like he he could be anyone. Sure. You could put anyone in Jimmy Kimmel's situation yeah, 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 and yeah. it would sound the same. He was a stand up. Oh. Weirdly. Okay. But um if you take Conan, Conan's wild and crazy and always very witty. He's recognizable. He's cartoony. <laughs> he's, he's an amazing, funny guy, yeah. right? And then you had David Letterman, who was always sarcastic and cynical, mm. which was funny because that was the character he was playing. Then you've got Jimmy Fallon, who tries too hard, right? James Corden, who is too nice. The British guy. He's too nice. I feel like he's playing <laughs> In too Hollywood. nice. Yeah. But basically, Jimmy Kimmel hasn't gotten a thing. You can't really say, because that's why his funniest stuff has been heavily relying on, say, Matt Damon. Other or people. Like, yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Whereas in the UK, for the Americans, you don't know this as much, I suppose, because we're not even exploited over there. I think Graham Norton is on BBC World. Yeah. Graham Norton being, started off as an Irish comedian on uh, Father Ted, I believe, sitcom actor. Mm. And he was... Really small part in that, but very funny. You know, Father Ted is possibly in the top 10 sitcoms of all time. Mm-hmm. I would say probably in the top five, actually. Classic comedy. It's uh, It never stops being funny, that that show. It's a testament to Ireland, man. Yeah. Because it's Ireland is one of these places that the most mundane area of Ireland, and that is it, is still a fantasy world that you want to live. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because that area is, um, we talked about Sunny in Philadelphia having a new series where we watched it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was filmed in Ireland. And it feels like it, a lot of it was a nod to Father Ted. Really? Like a lot of the areas, I think, were similar areas they filmed in. Right. But that was so good. Yeah, so it was funny unexpected <laughs> it's always funny to me how you always see the american interpretation of ireland mm. and it's so wrong yeah essentially and they play on that too yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah great yeah, <laughs> yeah no sunny does yeah they're really really good at that but that's a worthwhile watch i thought um they tackled a lot of stuff that we're currently living in a really incredible way very tongue-in-cheek that's what they've always done mm-hmm they dealt with it in the first two episodes. <laughs> it's really funny, man. Like, definitely give that a watch. But yeah, Father Ted was always something that I found profound. I think if anyone wants to collect the best of British comedy, mm-hmm. you got to get that as a show. Mm-hmm. Very special. And Graham Norton started on that. A lot of people don't know that. And then to see how he's exploded in the talk show game because he sort of had a talk show for years and years and years and it's gone through iterations right um we don't have the kind of formality america has where there's this legacy stuff like tonight show and late night show Mm. we have personalities leading it so graham norton and jonathan ross probably the two biggest in the uk we were all shocked that james corden became a talk show host (laughs) because he was also a sitcom actor gavin and stacy yes and then a musical actor which uh, none of us saw coming, but he did it. He was also a writer, comedy writer. So co-creator of Gavin and Stacey, I believe. I saw him in a film when he was really, I think it was the History Boys, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think this is a testament to Conan as well, because this is kind of like a triple Conan kudos episode. He was a staff writer for The Simpsons and Saturday Night Live. Right. And then he was led to be a talk show host by Lorne mm. Michaels, mm. as a kind of a punt, almost. And I think James Corden had a similar experience because mm. he never expected to do that. Yeah, There's certain people you can see doing that. The opportunity came up. I'd love to see Bill Burr doing a talk show. <laughs> well, Zach, Zach Galifianakis did one. Yeah. But it didn't work because it was Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> and his whole humor is like so psychotic. Yep. It was basically between two ferns, yeah, but yeah. as a but serious. talk show, yeah. <laughs> And so it didn't work because people were like, what are you doing? You know, you crazy dude. Oh, he's um, a funny guy. Oh, there's recommendations because we've been watching a lot of funny stuff recently because of the nightmare of the world, you know. Need to enjoy life somehow. Well, when you're in a storm, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to watch a weather-related natural disaster film. You know what I'm saying? You could if you're you totally could. sociopathic. That's a, that's the sociopath test, I feel. <laughs> Oh, it's stormy outside. Let's watch 2012. Like how people watched all the uh, all the virus movies at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, just to reinforce our fear. Yeah. You know, uh, everyone's going to fly towards <laughs> saving Private Ryan soon with everything that's no. happening on the Ukraine border. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, you need a laugh, right? And mm-hmm. this has been a good opportunity for us, especially uh, to tick off stuff that's been a to-do list and, and things to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, whenever Sunny in Philadelphia comes out, it's basically a treat. Mm. You know, that straight away. But there was stuff that I was watching that was a bit more old school. We we re-watched Zach Galifianakis's special on Netflix, and it is so good. The first time the I watched old it... One, yeah first time i watched it i was like what the hell is this this is trash you know because it's really upsetting yeah but it's deliberate it's so awkward and now i'm like after being an idiot for like three or four years doing what we do uh i can see it mm-hmm. and it's really really good it made me laugh the most <laughs> i've laughed for a long time so stupid it's kind of like the, the anti-comedy special yeah which is what he does. It, so it, is the anti. Speaking of which, it feels like he pretty much improv the whole set. Oh, 100%. <laughs> that, guy's not, that guy's never written anything in his life. don't know if he can write. Um, it's, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see him. We'll try and get him in the, in the, uh, in the old studio at one point. Uh, tie him up and uh, Kidnap charge, him. charge a massive uh, <laughs> you know, uh, ransom. Uh, that's how we get funding for our films. We just kidnap celebrities. Everyone knows this. <laughs> um but basically yeah so a lot of stuff like that uh the ukraine situation i have to mention it very briefly because i just want to put my stance on this stuff uh there's going to be a lot of people worried about this especially in america and the uk uh most of europe is probably going to be worried about this i stand on the idea that there's two narratives that are very believable on both sides of the camp i i personally don't understand the invasion anymore i think a lot of countries don't but i'm not saying it couldn't happen there's always one lunatic in our midst that wants to do that but i don't really fully understand why you would add more pressure to your nation's pressure you know by building up the state Mm. i like to keep a positive and think vladimir putin's way more sensible than that especially when the world's watching you can't really lie when you invade a country (laughs) oh well we just threw our ball over the fence and we came back to get it you know with tanks you can't you know so um, it was a big ball i hope that it can be i think it's kind of a much ado about nothing situation i don't know hopefully france is coming out to do the peace talk so macron's gonna get him on his podcast and have a talk (laughs) joe biden and Vladimir Putin, mm. uh, Joe Rogan as a mediator. No, that'd be fantastic. That's how you should do it, you know, because <laughs> that gets Joe Rogan and Joe Biden in the same room, which would be hours and interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, just thinking like the people out there in the Ukraine and everywhere else, mm-hmm. just uh, it is a worrying aspect, especially from a European front. We're so close to this stuff that it would really suck to go through anything like our history all over again. We don't want that. But I believe in the future of uh, places like Russia being probably more optimistic than we give them credit for, you know. And uh, let's just hope that this can be, you know, without World War Three is basically what I'm alluding to. Because mm. uh, that'd suck. Mm-hmm. But I do have a theory. I think borders have to be changed. Right. You need to do something. Because in Europe, it's kind of like in the USA, you don't really care because it's state by state. Yeah. And then you have the drop into Mexico, which you know is a border control, and the drop into uh, Canada, which mm-hmm. you know is a border control because, mm-hmm. you know, big line of cars you have to cross and stuff. <laughs> but here in Europe, you can literally drive from France to Spain without knowing you've done it. Yeah. You know, there's no definition in a lot of these places. Don't, don't they have Europe. checks? Sometimes. Yeah. It's not like the entire border is one big gate. mm so there's access points that you don't even know you've crossed. Yeah. We okay. we did this in states in, in the USA. I remember we were um in Nevada coming out mm. in Nevada when we'd gone to Vegas. My dad had this huge fever at the time. So he was delusional, which mm. was brilliant. Uh, okay. <laughs> the stuff he was saying was like, the body's out there. You know, it just gives <laughs> you an insight to who my dad is. Um, I only put them under the floorboards. Uh we were basically crossing between Nevada and I think it was Utah. And in that crossing, you just understand the jurisdictions change because you're not allowed to go 
near Area 51 or whatever it was, mm. that, that crossing. It was all fenced off, but it was very military. Yeah. It wasn't like welcome to Utah or any of that stuff. Mm. State lines are very, you, you almost go, it's kind of like passing through towns. So when you go from, say, Florida to Georgia, mm-hmm. it's just welcome to Georgia and you've left Florida. <laughs> That's mm. all it is, really. Yeah. Whereas in Europe, you're leaving a complete different country, yeah. right? But it's, in a sense, the same because it's all landlocked. Well, there's always the official crossing. Yeah. But then there's also the field that if you just walk in and you're a farmer, half of it's Portugal, mm. if you're in Spain, for example. Right. Like, there was a really good expose on this in uh, a show I was watching where India and Pakistan have a lot of interjoined farmland mm. that's had to be divided by a fence. So farmers make the decision of they're going to be Indian or Pakistan from their farms because the territorial was <gasps> there cut. was There was a similar thing with um, Wales and England because when the COVID rules changed, there was this one pub that was like half yeah. in one, yeah. <laughs> on one side yeah. and the parking was on the other because side. Because it's not a precise, there's no precise, this is the thing about borders. A yeah. lot of people who are like hippie and cool and chill want the world to just be one global community like Pangaea was, like mm. a supercontinent rather than having all these nations dividing us, you know? We are the world. Which I think at one point we were close to when the EU was getting political. It was basically the United States of Europe. Then you had the United States of America. Uh Then you had the United States of Australia. (laughs) Then you had the United States of Africa. You know, like, Uh that was basically where it could have gone. But, of course, that didn't last long before Mm. we wanted to go single sovereignty again. And everyone's like, well, We want Don't to want be that globalization rubbish. Meanwhile, all the corporations are global, so it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Dyson opens up in Asia because mm-hmm. that's a proud British thing to do. Bring it back to Britain by being in Asia, smart. But the whole point is like, you know, borders need something special because there's no definition. So when we're saying that Russia's on the Ukraine border, do we actually mean it? Or is it actually just in Russia? Mm-hmm. Because there's no definition of what the border actually is because it's not a wall. It's a man-made line. It's not separated by a on ravine. A there's not a ditch. There's no... Do you know what I mean? It's there's not a no, jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. It's just that we've created this there's border no in our brain. no physical landmark, yeah. per se. And it's always contested because where it ends, you could always go, well, is it yours? Because 10 yards of that was ours for 300 years and this island is ours because <laughs> we said it is. And you didn't name it and it's called Terry, but you called it Bob, but it's oh, always been Terry. That reminds me of another news piece I saw. I think it was about Belgium where a guy, uh, this like map nerd, basically was trying to find the border of Belgium and somewhere else and then found that the farmer had moved the stone that marked yeah, yeah, yeah. the well, border. Well, like, like I said, you're always, having, you're always having these stories in Europe. Like I said, there's an official entry to say from Spain to France mm. or France to Spain. There's an official entry point. But it also blurs if you just know a farm and go on a quad bike yeah. over the fence and you're in <laughs> Spain. You know, it's it's not clearly defined, which is why when everyone says you're invading a country or whatever, it's hard to really define that. You know, it's very easy to define that if everyone rushes your capital city, which mm. is the, the fear that's happening in the Ukraine right now. But it's not a defined border. So to change that, mm. you need someone that defines a border. And you could go for the obvious thing, which is a huge, massive bouncing castle. You know, like if you put, you know, like in medieval times, you had all of the medieval towns and villages separated by these big stone monolithic walls that you had to go through guard changes and stuff like this. Yeah. And you're entering York, so you have to go through all of the pre-York, York bits, you know? Okay. Like the, the, the gateways and then there's, everything's separated and that's how it used to be in medieval times we were really paranoid about our sovereignty Mm. but nowadays there's nothing so if you did the same thing but bouncing castles you know like which you could just jump on and have a lot of fun (laughs) it would help the mexican relations to usa because a big wall Mm. of fence isn't much fun Mm. but if you had a theme park dividing america from mexico a mass the world's biggest theme park if that's where the budget went to not mm. that it cost much at all but if you did disneyland borders for example they could just turn up for the day and have a world of fun and then just leave and go back home yeah i have a last border story for you i'm just saying like we need to be defined on our borders otherwise it's just russia walking its tanks <laughs> yeah. 
taking his tanks for a walk. We don't know. There's no clear definition till we create it. It's very speculative. Mm-hmm. I just hope it isn't a big deal. That's where I wanted to end that. And I had to say something about it because obviously we're trying to mark the history. But, it, you know, my reaction to any of that isn't to uh, be pessimistic. I feel like humanity as we know it has moved on a lot since, you know, invasions and things like this. I feel like it can't really happen but you never know so let's hope that situation eases off anyway you were going to say borders oh yeah my last border story bookshop (laughs) it was it was uh when my good friend joel was studying in maastricht in holland we're like that's that's the second time in two weeks we've mentioned you joel yeah which is we we miss you you. we Mm. miss you a lot uh yeah so we were in holland south of holland and we're like we feel like eating some belgium chocolates and so we just walked down the road crossed over to belgium bought some chocolates and then came back that's another thing like we took the train from holland to belgium Mm. from from uh from Eindhoven to brussels and there's no border control no it's just direct train trip same from london to france no stamps the only difference from london to france is massive tunnel do you do do you go through nope, immigration? Didn't, didn't have to stamp. Cross-continent mm-hmm. Europe, you don't have to do passport control. Maybe they have to do it now because of Brexit. Yeah, now you do. Mm-hmm. Now you have to have stamps everywhere you go. Stamps. I'm surprised Scotland doesn't give us a stamp. Well, they do. They just do it on your foot with their... <laughs> I thought you were going to say they they're going to stamp on your hand like like a, in, from a club or no, something. No, we're, we're, all, we're all connected, but they still wanted to be in the EU. So instead of us uh, being as connected they go up and they stamp on us harder well, <laughs> uh, stamp on us when we're down stamp <laughs> on us while we're up yeah it's the scottish greeting which we love and cherish but uh yeah like I, I just think you know any country that's kind of land locked should be considered a, a international state you know europe would be therefore the most powerful state on the planet and it would also be tied to Asia. You'd have Eurasia. It wouldn't be mm. Europe or Asia anymore. That could be a huge world shift. But all islands should have a kind of single sovereignty because we're separated by degree. Mm. Yeah. Unless we just dry the planet out and become a supercontinent again. No. <laughs> then we die. We'd have a very wonky <laughs> world, wouldn't we? There'd be a big dip. Look, England's really high and yet we're really low mm. on the sea level as was. That'd be an amazing world if we were very three-dimensional. Yeah. Anyway. The sea goes so deep. It does? Yeah. There's a plug at the bottom. (laughs) It doesn't have a plug at the bottom. Yeah, it's a big bathtub. (laughs) If you pull that plug, everything gets sucked in. The world goes flat. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I just like like to think storms are over, especially name ones. Why are they doing that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. If you are in you know weather report and stuff i do feel and maybe someone will comment who's actually a geologist and can answer this but i do feel it was the same storm they just named it three times <laughs> you know because that's how storms work it's especially on the scale this one was this mm. covered the entire uk which you know it's a super storm I guess it's how you define what a storm is uh, it's just because you can sell more t-shirts no yeah what? everyone's wearing a Eunice and a douglas and a what was the other one terry uh, franklin franklin yeah yeah he was a good president um there was <laughs> <laughs> a character in gta should have been trevor franklin and it, the the boring one well from the guy's name i apologize if you're gta 5 fan the other guy Michael. Michael. It's the most boring name. I knew it was a with an Franklin and Trevor. That's what the storm should have been called. I was going to say it's because it's in alphabetical order. D, E, I don't care. And then boy, girl, They shouldn't name storms. It's really... No. It's so stupid. There's no reason to personify them. It never comes back. (laughs) You know? Until you've worked through all the name lists. It's basically (laughs) like we're treating storms like we're treating an Apple OS X. Mm. That's an operating system if you don't know what that is. But, you know, like, it's not Monterey. And, like, I still remember when Apple used cat names. I miss those days. Snow Leopard. I'm not quite. I, I like Lynx. There's oh. also an Atari console. Okay. And Cougar. <laughs> it's Mountain Lion, wasn't it? But, um, yeah, like, oh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just a storm, folks. I, I do feel like we've had a lot of damage. We've had kind of the craziest weather 
I can remember all at once this winter. It's been a weird time for the lockdown. We've had very peculiar stuff happening. I think we notice it more. But the flooding is, uh, yeah, it's very sad to hear people live through that. So anyway, hopefully we'll be out of it and it'll be sun, sunshine and happiness and everyone can go back to normalcy because we're lifting all restrictions, maybe. Who knows? A lot can happen. That I feel, I hopefully, will be more positive than negative in the next two weeks. But wherever you are, especially if you are affected by the storm, the storms, plural, I still think it was one. Who knows? And also, if you're in the Ukraine right now, and also if you're in Russia right now, and anywhere in Europe that's close by those places, I just hope we get peace and we get you know stability and everyone stops getting bored. It's almost like everyone's acting out because of the lockdowns mm. and stuff. Let's just get sensible and smart and cool again. You know, let's let's, let's be friends. Well, hopefully. We are friends. We are friends. We have to put that message out. We're friends. We're your friends. You can come to our forest. We don't care. If you want to invade the forest, fine. I don't mind. Needs a bit of sprucing up. You know, needs a bit of uh, decor. I know the <laughs> Russian interior designs are very, very uh, worldwide renowned, aren't they? For interior design in Russia. So anyway... Hopefully it'll, always, it'll remain positive. As we said, you are our friends. You're welcome here anytime. We have no issue. Uh, just got to get on with everyone, really. So we'll be back in two weeks, hopefully with more positive things and less storms. Take care, everyone. <laughs>